630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Canadians lead the Maple Leafs 3-2. It is the Jets and Senators tied 2-2 with about 13 minutes to go. 15 minutes left in Columbus. Blue Jackets up 2-1 on Chicago. And start of the third period, the Red Wings leading Carolina 1-0. Earn with the only goal in that game 24 seconds into the third. It is his 11th of the season. The Oilers back at practice tomorrow. Their next game is Friday in Vancouver. It's on 6.30. Chad Faceoff show at 5.30. The game will start at 7. Just want to hit a few texts here before I bring Stoff on. Ron listening in Lloydminster. Hope things are good in the border city. He says, uh, Reed, you always need to have draft picks as they are currency when you do want to make a trade. The Oilers only had first, a fourth, and two sixth rounders. The team is not ready for the big push yet, so keep accumulating assets until the time is right. I think they will have to decide between Nurse and Larson only because of the price both will need in the future. Keep in mind all the deep prospects we have coming, so I think we have a bright future if we don't panic. That is from Ron. This texture says, what do you think of our new acquisition from the Devils? Uh, sorry for making you repeat yourself, but I want to know your thoughts. Well, I will quickly say that uh, I think he is uh, good, not great. I think he can probably help against the Jets and the Canadians. I'm not sure if he will be as big a help against a, a very good Leafs team. Jordan says, uh, it's not worth spending a pick on Taylor Hall when you could get him in the summer. I remember him having chemistry with Leon. They should at least try instead of hoping someone else fits. And Don says, I don't think Kulikov is a good trade for the Oilers. I believe he was brought in for the power play. The Devils have the worst power play in all of the NHL, led by Kulikov. Another setback for Bouchard, who will never get better. Uh, oh, I lost the text. Who will never get better. Bob says he will play next year. Who will he replace? Don, I... Uh, Don, I think, well, I don't know what you were thinking, but I wonder if you meant to type that Kulikov was brought in for the penalty kill. He has played a grand total of one minute and 52 seconds on the Devils' power play this season, and I don't think he was brought to the Oilers to run a power play that has Tyson Berry or Darnell Nurse uh, on the back end. But fair comment about the PK. He leads Devils defensemen in PK time, and the PK is the worst in the NHL. Okay, uh, Bob, thanks for holding there. Just a lot of people are writing in, so I want to try and hit on a variety of... Uh, uh, there was a question for you in there. So, well, your thoughts on Kulikov first. Let's just start generally there. Yeah, uh, subtle addition. Uh, frankly, from my perspective, uh, I think that we saw a couple players audition here over the course of the last 12 to 15 games on the left side, and that was William Lagason and Caleb Jones. And I don't think... I mean, Caleb Jones basically had a couple different auditions. Um, you know, never show that he could consistently be relied upon to kill penalties. Uh, Lagason, I think, is more of a defensive defenseman, but his lack of foot speed at this time became apparent. Um, and they needed kind of a second-pairing guy so they could ease the workload on Russell. So... You know what? I actually feel better about this trade deadline than last trade deadline. I think that last trade deadline, that was a big swing they took on Athanasio, even at a 86 or $87 million salary cap, which is what we thought we were going to have. Um, and the Detroit guys in the organization, and that would be Ken Holland, Archie Henderson, and Tyler Wright, they needed to know Athanasio the best, and the guy ended up scoring one goal in 13 games. Now, again... 
uh, entirely possible that if we were at an 86 or $87 million salary cap, Athanasiu would have been qualified, and then the Oilers would have turned around and not signed Cahoon, one of Cahoon or Innes instead. So, uh, and maybe we would have had a very different experience with Athanasiu this year. So I actually think this was a safer play, and in many respects, they did end up dealing with the one you know what? I, we both would have liked to have seen Derek Ryan here. He's a $3 million cap hit. Kulikov was a $1.1 million cap hit. They, I think they got themselves a second pairing left shot D for the short term. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. And so they didn't have a lot of cap space. The texter made a good point about the lack of picks available. Um, and I wonder whether or not they perhaps look at trading down at the draft to get a second and a third in lieu of the first if the guy that's not there at the the first actually i would ask for more i would ask for a second third and a fifth and i might even tell an organization to take a contract back as well but uh you know what serviceable subtle pickup should help the team read okay I, i'm gonna read something else here because dan and devon and again dan i love that golf course there um he's he's upset he thinks this is uh, a, a waste of a, a good year for connor and leon okay he called it completely inexcusable he said the he predicts that the players are going to leave at the end of their contracts and i read that text and uh, replied to it he has written back and he says how do you think connor and leon feel after seeing other canadian teams load up uh and getting help from their gms while holland leaves them to sink I, I'm going to answer first. And, and Dan, I, I understand you're upset. I, I would like you to suggest a couple trades that you think were feasible. Maybe you won't do that. I don't know. I, I'm going to say this to you, Dan. Two, this is a little past the two-year anniversary of the Oilers playing out a miserable string of games under Ken Hitchcock. Mm. And they got pounded back-to-back nights, I believe St. Louis first and then Vegas. And it was after that game... Connor McDavid made, from what I can remember, the most critical comments he's ever made about the state of the franchise. And he came out and said, well, we got to fix this. And that led to, oh, he's going to want out. He hates Edmonton. He hates the Oilers and all that kind of stuff, which he later said, that's not how I feel. But the team wasn't doing very well. I think the team's in better situation uh, than they were a couple of years ago. Though they're not a contending team yet, Dan. You're right. They're not on a short list of Stanley Cup teams. But I will say this to you, Dan. One Canadian team loaded up. The Toronto Maple Leafs. The Montreal Canadiens did not load up. They made a couple of subtle acquisitions. And the Winnipeg Jets sure as heck didn't load up. And, and I would think there's probably a lot of disappointed Jets fans today. So there's my honest answer to your what you call honest question, Dan. Uh, I think Edmonton's sort of a 7 through 12 team. Uh, last year, they were probably an, an 8 through 14 team. There's been, you know, they're firmly in a playoff uh, position as it stands right now, and a lot would have to go wrong for them not to make the playoffs at this stage. And I think anything can happen in Canada. I do agree that on paper, Toronto appears to have the deepest team. I will say this right now, Reed. It is my firm belief that Edmonton will add. I think they'll get Adam uh, for the texter, the first one that you had from, I believe it was Ron from Lloyd he said that uh, he doesn't see how uh, both uh, Nurse and Larson can be signed long-term. I completely disagree with them. Uh, it's my belief that Larson and Nugent Hopkins will be re-signed in the opposite in the uh, off-season, uh, and then I with a full. 
uh, prospectus realizing that they've got to sign Darnell Nurse to a long-term deal. And Darnell, it would not surprise me if Darnell Nurse got $60 million in his next contract, $7.5 million times eight years, uh, because he is a leader and he is part of that group. And he's also been a good soldier. He's taken two straight bridge deals. So uh, first of all, for Ron, I, I, I see... Nurse on the left side and Larson on the right side being a part of the Oilers' top four for a minimum the next couple of years. Uh, the Oilers have some prospect defensemen coming that the players know. I, they've told me this, uh, that they're very bullish on Bouchard. In fact, uh, there's guys right now that wouldn't mind seeing Bouchard play because of the type of plays that he can make. They're bullish specifically on Bouchard and Broberg, and that's without even factoring in, you know, maybe a guy like Sam Rukoff or Niemelainen ends up panning out. And then they've got Holloway and McLeod. And so... I am the belief, Reed, that they re-sign Nugent Hopkins and Larson in the offseason. They're also going to sign another top six left wing. Who knows? It might have been one of the guys that somebody suggested out there, uh, and that would be Taylor Hall. You never know what happens in Boston. Uh, I didn't think Edmonton was going to trade for him at this time. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Oilers will be in the mix come free agency with Hall. And I also think if Clefbaum can't play, that they'll sign a higher-end uh uh, veteran left shot defenseman than Kulikov. So uh, I see the team having significantly deeper and better pieces next year during the year because they finally do have some cap space and we'll see where it goes. And you're right. The, the It's funny. Two years ago, it was ugly in Edmonton. You know, it's not great in Calgary. Like if the Flames, if the Flames sit there and bow out right now and they, they move Bennett, they move Riddick, it's not great in Calgary, but it can change quickly. The only difference is Calgary didn't have Dreisaitl and McDavid sit there uh, with Nurse. The Oilers already had Bouchard at that point. He's got a higher offensive ceiling than anybody Calgary's got. Uh, I actually think that the Oilers will go from being sort of a 7 through 12 team this season, Reed, to a top 8 team in the league for the next two or three years. I, but you know what? I've been wrong before. That's my belief. And I understand a little bit of exasperation that Edmonton didn't have the cap space nor the clout and wherewithal to make uh, more deals to improve the team right now. I get that. Well, yeah, look, they, they need internal solutions. And that's why, it, look, personally, I, I mean, uh, look, Dan and Devin, I'm not going to read every single text. I think you're privileged that I went back and forth with you, with you twice. So thanks for writing back again. But I, I do, I do think... Personally, and and maybe this is just me, Bob. If you think I'm on planet whack job, you can tell me. I think this is the time to hang on to young players who show potential because you are going to need guys on ELCs and yeah. guys who can come in and be support players. Maybe Ryan McLeod, uh, you know, starts as a depth center or depth winger even. That's fine. You know, Dylan Holloway, um, you know, he's probably not going to play center, obviously. Maybe the first few years of his career. He doesn't play center. And and then also Broberg and Bouchard. Personally, I would hang on to those guys. If, if you're a fan that wanted to trade those guys, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. That That's fine. I wouldn't do it in this climate where the cap is not going to go up and, you know, Connor and Leon make what they make. And like you said, we know Nurse is, is going to make more. And, oh, by he's the way, get, you're, he's getting paid. Okay. And by he's the way, paid. you know, maybe Mike Smith plays for another year, but eventually you're going to need to find a goaltender that could possibly lead yep. you to the cup as well. So, again, that's why I'm saying there are, there are, they're a good team. They're not a great team. And there are significant long term pieces that they need to find 
to make them a great team. And I don't know how you scramble and, and would have no. filled all those holes in the last 72 no. hours. I, Again, you, people can write me in their suggestions, but I've yet, I've yet to see one. Read organic growth. Like uh, at the start of next season, I, I expect Holloway, uh, I expect Holloway and Bouchard in the everyday lineup with a chance that McLeod is here at the start of the year. I don't think Broberg starts the year in the NHL next season, but by two thirds of the way during the season, Broberg might be in the third pairing, uh, on defense and McLeod could be the third line center. I think they'll, they, I don't see them spending big money on a third line center. I think they'll probably get, I mean, they might get a guy like Ryan. They might get a guy like Brandon Sutter, somebody like that for like a million bucks. That's the right shot that could actually win a draw. Uh, but those are going to be free agents, like you know, and so I think they're actually in a really good spot. I'm not the only one that thinks that way. Uh, I've got a pretty close contact in Colorado. I don't know if we're allowed to use that phraseology, close contact anymore, to discuss hockey. But uh, and he's he thinks that he says the Oilers are about three quarters of a year behind Colorado. He says you you guys are going to be the team we're watching because you've got the high end star power of McDavid and you got the D prospects. Okay, the Oilers don't have McCarr, but the general belief is that Bouchard and Broberg are both both guys that have higher ceilings than Bo and Byram. So it could be really and and what Colorado's got in Edmonton is depth right now. Okay, up front they got three lines. The Oilers have got five forwards. I mean, they you know it will include Yamamoto. Really, one and a half lines. Yeah, we'll, we'll include, we'll say that Yamamoto and Pugliarvi are on their way. And then they've got, obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. I think they'll get, again, I think they'll re-sign Nugent Hopkins, they'll re-sign Larson, and if Clefbaum can't play, they'll sign a second-pairing left shot D, and they'll get a left wing that they'll spend some money on as well. And then the rest of it, they'll grow organically and then do cheap sort of depth signings, like a, bring Shore back, sign a uh, fourth-line right shot center in a million bucks. That's a cheap That's a cheap move. And, and they'll have to use the system and make a difficult call on a guy like Neil. Like, he could be bought out. That could be the scenario that exists. But Edmonton's in a pretty good spot to upgrade their team like Montreal did this past offseason. That's what I see coming. We'll see whether or not it comes to fruition. Uh, okay, I'm going to throw one more at you before we go. Because okay. I, I think I think the Leafs are now even a heavier favorite in the North. How do the Leafs not win the division in the playoffs? What needs to happen? Is it just if their goaltending craps out? Well, that's the number one reason, and I'm going to circle back to there was a dummy I know that picked the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think said that uh, Pittsburgh would win that series uh, in three straight last year against Montreal. And well, we Pro- don't Remember, we don't reference incorrect predictions on this show. Well, we would be we would be here all night if that happened. But the, the fact of the matter is absolutely gold. T- and you know what? You can look at the Winnipeg-Edmonton matchup and say the Oilers are in a bad spot. Connor Hellebuck's a uh, Vezina Trophy winner. 100% bang on. But Edmonton has something. Well, you'll say Pittsburgh had Malkin and Crosby. Malkin and Crosby today are not the Malkin and Crosby. Of, and, and Sydney's having a good year this year, but it's Malcolm that's not as dominant as he once was. The Oilers have McDavid and Settle in their wheelhouse capable i mean in, in a short series and a seven game series of, of making some things happen here so uh, i would i would say I, you know what toronto has the deepest team there's no question they have a question mark and goal they're most likely playing montreal and montreal's got carry price in a big heavy tough defense when they get all their bodies back um so we'll wait and see how she goes but i do think i don't think toronto's a sure thing and i and i, and I think edmonton winnipeg's a pickup I got to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to come in second between those two teams. 
And in fact, if anything, Reed, you might want to start in the road to open that series. Who do you have on tomorrow, Bob? Uh, Mark Spector so far. We're, we're working on a couple. I'll just leave it at spec for right now. We've got a couple more guys coming up. Thanks, Reed, for having me on tonight. Thanks for coming on. Bob Stoffer. Oilers now noon to 2 every day here on 630 Chet. Okay, quickly, let's go to the phones here. we got Brian standing by on the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. Brian, go ahead. Hey, with all the trades and everything, we're going to be a little thin up front still. Yep. So we got, uh, we'll have to do the best we can. Anyways, Reed, I understand you sure like the Devon Golf Course. Yeah, I play there a few times a year usually. Well, I'm going to invite you out. Well, I want, I want to try to get out fairly soon. I usually get to golf more once the uh, the season is over. Do you work there? I'm a member there, so I'll give you my number off offline, and uh, we'll set you up and come and come and see Devin. Okay. Yeah, you know my buddy got a hole in one on the seventh hole last fall. Wow. Yeah. You know Evan Dom? Don't know him. But he's uh, like a shot. He's a good player. It, it came down the hill and went in the cup. The guys on the eighth tee saw it go in. Wow. Good you know what I'm him. talking about? Like he hit the slope and it bounced down and went in. That's a hard yeah. hole. Yeah, the side. Yeah, no, it sure is. Well, that's okay, great. Well, maybe, maybe I'll see you out there, Brian. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's, that's kind of Brian. Uh, 780-496-0063. By, by the way, like I, I can't just go golf with everybody. I might golf with Brian, but like, you can't just, you know, I, I appreciate if you ask me, but I can't promise anything. And uh, Rick's writing in uh, any more promotions on the canned hams. Yeah, we still got a lot of, uh, Angie, we got canned hams ever, stacked everywhere, don't we? Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah, They're probably hiding all around the station somewhere. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the reaction I usually get from my coworkers, what you just heard from Angie. I'll just answer him so he stops talking to me. <laughs> Uh, Rob wants to know what's the uh, short story on Alex Stalock. Well, he's been practicing and he's on the active roster. He had the he had COVID and he had a heart condition, uh, myocarditis, the same thing Mark Letestu had. We don't know if he's going to play or not. Tip Tip always says uh, he doesn't know whenever he's asked about him. Tatar scores twice for the Canadians who beat Toronto 4-2 tonight. Also, the Senators knock off the Jets 4-2. How about that one? Brady Kachuk with two goals. He's up to 14 on the season. Halfway through the first, no score. Coyotes and Avalanche. Blackhawks and Blue Jackets. Overtime looming. Why do we say overtime is looming? It's not like it's scary. I guess it turns out to be scary for the team that loses. Anyway, they're tied at three with 90 seconds left and seven minutes left in the third. Red Wings lead the Hurricanes 2-0. Dmitry Kulikov is your newest Edmonton Oiler. That's the only trade the Oilers made today. He is 30 years old. He has two assists on the season. He's been playing 19 and a half minutes per game for the New Jersey Devils. Fourth rounder next year going the other way. It becomes a third rounder if the Oilers win a playoff round this spring. Really appreciate all the interaction at 780-496-0063.
I always enjoy having this gentleman on the show, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst for the Sabres and on MSG Network, Martin Baron on the show. Martin, how are you doing, sir? You're on with Reed. What's up? Reed, I'm doing pretty good. It was a long day, but a fun one. Well, not so busy when it comes to trades, but still, uh, you know, working from home always, uh, you know, you're, you get busy. I did laundry while we're waiting for trades. I uh, cleaned out the kitchen, so it all worked out. <laughs> I got a confession to make. During our newscast at 7.30, I ran downstairs and put some clothes in the dryer that were sitting in the washing machine. It, it, it is nice. You can chip away some chores sometimes <laughs> while you're while you're working. So I, it's I not, it's the not so bad. Out, the dog's out one, at one point, so that worked out too. I got some fresh air. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? Oh, man, you want to start? This could be an hour-long discussion. So I have one with me. Uh, she's a little toy poodle. She's nine. She's like my girlfriend, right? She hangs out with me, doesn't leave me alone one bit. Um, and when I do Zoom calls and meetings, she's literally like, I have to move my camera up because she's sitting on my lap. I don't want people to think I'm nuts, right? But uh, the kids at the at the house of their moms, they got four over there. Uh, a couple of bulldogs, a cocker spaniel, and a, a King Charles Cavalier. We have horses too. We have chickens. We have all of them. It's a zoo. It's called the Baron Zoo, basically. Okay, <laughs> that's that's. Uh, now, did you all? Did you have a variety of animals when you were a kid too, or is this more of an adult thing? No, I didn't because it was my brother and I, and my parents did not want us to have pets because we were on the road a lot, either through hockey tournaments, baseball tournaments, you know, throughout the whole year. So they're like, we, we can't leave. And my, oh, my parents worked uh, when my brother and I were in school. So they're like, we can't leave the dogs or the cats or whatever in the house all day and then leave them for weekends with other people. So that was their excuse. I, I you know, I don't think they wanted to focus on that. So obviously, um, my wife at the time that she was very an animal lover. She had horses and I got into it. And, and I, I mean, we have a hedge. I just love all animals. I'm allergic to cats. We ended up with two cats. I just needed to take allergy medicine. Like that's really how our household was for the better part of my career. And, and I am going to talk about the trade deadline, but uh, your brother, was, was he a pretty good athlete too? What was his sport of specialty? He was a hockey player, too. He actually played about 350 NHL games, played in the American League, won a Calder Cup with Terry Price and the Hamilton Bulldogs that year. He played in Europe, and now he's a, uh, a fireman in Quebec City. So he ended up going back to school, uh, got his degree, went to Fireman Academy, and uh, he's, uh, he's having a lot of fun in his second career. But he had a pretty decent hockey career as well. He scored a goal on me, so that uh, gives him bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to give because uh, that's Matthew, right? Yes, that is Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I, I I was pretty sure I had the right guy, but I hedged my bet there a little bit because uh, I couldn't remember no, for that, sure that, if you guys that, are brothers. Totally fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> I do the same thing too a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you're. I, I was just double. You were only traded. Was it just the one trade back in '07 for you? It was just a one trade from Buffalo to Philadelphia, and really it happened because the Sabres needed cap room. Um, they wanted to add a, a player at the deadline, and they needed the cap space. They went and acquired Damon Zubris uh, at the time. The Sabres won the President's Trophy that year, and they knew I was a pending UFA, and I was most likely going to try to be a number one goalie somewhere else. So they ended up clearing some cap room and getting a second-round pick on top of that. So, um, you know, hey, and Taylor Hall fetched a second-rounder today for the 
Buffalo Sabres. So I figured I was as good as the MVP at Taylor Hall. So I got a pretty good return. So uh, now when that happened to you, was there a lead up for you where you were thinking, okay, I, I better have my bags ready to go? Or what was the experience like? I actually thought I was going to get traded the year before in the summertime because they had made the decision in Buffalo that Ryan Miller was going to be the starting goalie now and I was a backup and I was, you know, going to be a UFA. So I thought the summer before I was going to be gone, uh, but they didn't make the trade. They wanted to make sure they had two goalies and we rotated uh, quite often in the second season, uh, started the season 11-0-1. Actually, it was 10-0-1 and then we won the next game, but had a really good team. So now we're on trade deadline day. And uh, actually, I should go back. The week before, we had the big Ottawa brawl in Buffalo with me and Ray Emery getting the fight and, and all of that good stuff. So, um, it's, you know, so there was a lot of leading up, but not really thinking I was going to get traded. There was just a lot of emotions in the air with everything going on and me getting in a fight and the team doing good. And so we ended up, we were playing Toronto that night in Toronto. So when we showed up to the Air Canada Centre at the time in Toronto, I turned all the TVs on to TSN, right? It's like trade deadline day. Let's get the coverage on, like two in the locker room, one in the change room, two in the trainer's room. And then Lindy Ruff called me over and he goes, Marty, my office right now. And I'm like, ah, that's it. I'm in trouble. He's going to like tell me I'm not focusing on the game. The guys are being distracted. Why did you turn the TVs on? And he actually... He shut the door behind him, and he says, uh, Marty, um, just curious, are you expecting to be traded? Do you want to be traded? And I'm like, wow, i completely blindsided by the question. I'm like, no, really, I, I have no idea. It's out of my control. We talked for like 10 minutes, and I'm thinking, like, where is this leading, right? He wants me to tell him, yeah, I want to be traded. Like, he wants validation for something. And then he said, you've been traded but we don't know where yet. So go back to the hotel, get your stuff. We're going to get you out the back door because everybody, all the Toronto media are there and we don't want anybody to know. So I snuck out of the Air Canada Centre, went back to the hotel, and it was about an hour later I found out it was the Philadelphia Flyers. So I don't know if there was any other team in on acquiring my services, but I know it took a while. Well, that's quite a quite a tale. You weren't sure where you were going. Thanks for sharing that, though. I, you know, I've heard a lot of trade stories, um, and, and I know it's always stressful to some degree, even if, uh, you know, sometimes players want to get traded, but still change always causes a little bit of stress. Martin Baron joining us tonight on Inside Sports, longtime NHL goaltender, now television analyst, and you uh, you saw the Sabres play a lot. Like, what what happened, Marty? Like, how, how did it possibly, before we get to the Hall trade, I mean, you know, most of the games I've seen are the all-Canadian matchups, the, the division we have. Yep. How did it get so out of control with the Sabres? Well, a few different things. Uh, number one, you know, they... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say that Ralph Kruger um, is a bad hockey coach because he's a really nice guy, and I've always had nothing but respect for Ralph Kruger, but I don't think that what what he wanted the, the team to play and the systems that he wanted to, the team to play, I don't think it was working. And he never really changed. He kept saying, like, we're, we're going to get there. We're seeing good things. We're seeing good things. But it's it's hockey. It's not a marathon. It's a sprint. It's like you got to win two games out of three this week and maybe three out of four next week and then again, two out of three. You don't have the time to wait. And I think he was waiting a lot longer than what people – uh, were expecting, and so it really caused the Sabers to fall behind early. 
Um, I don't think Jack Eichel was, was healthy from the start of the season. He had an injury in training camp. That was a rib injury, I think they mentioned. But I also think that he was dealing with something lower body, like he wasn't skating well, and you could see it on the ice. Power play, he was great on the power play because he didn't have to move. But five on five, trying to create rush chances and speed on transition, he just didn't have it. So I really think that affected everybody. That affected everybody's confidence. Uh, And then Lena Solmark got hurt, and, you know, if you look at the record this year, Every other goalies in the Sabres organization have one win, I think 18 losses and three overtime loss. Lena Solmark is playing for 500. So that tells you that, you know, if Lena Solmark wasn't playing, Sabres weren't winning games. And so there was a lot of those combination. And, you know, I think Kevin Adams, as a first-year general manager, needed to really evaluate everything, and he took his time. But they play. They they are playing much better under Don Granado than they did under Ralph Kruger. It's just a matter that Don plays a different system, and I think it's working better for this team. What did you think of what they got for trading Taylor Hall? Well, listen, I I think everybody is has been critical of the fact that they did not get a first round pick, right? Because you look at Paul Marion Zajac, they got the Devils a, a first round pick in the trade for the New York Islanders. You look at the, the Toronto Maple Leafs gave out, uh, gave up a first round pick for Nick Foligno. The Tampa Bay Lightning gave up a first round pick for David Savard. So there was a, uh, there was three first round picks out there, but Taylor Hall had two goals this year, two in 30 plus games. Like that's not going to fetch you a good return. Foligno was playing well. Savard was playing well. Palmieri and Zajac were playing well. So those guys were going to get a return. Taylor Hall only, got two goals, um, he wasn't going to get a big return. So the Sabres had to end Taylor Hall's $8 million cap number was tough because the teams that are competitive right now don't have a lot of cap space, and they couldn't fit Taylor Hall under their cap. So, you know, Kevin Adams and the Buffalo Sabres had to retain 50% of the salary to even make it a second-round pick. So I I thought if they're able to get a second-round pick in any way, shape, or form, it's going to be good. I think it was a good work by Kevin Adams. The, the options were limited, and Hall also had a no movement tray, a no movement clause. So at one point, I think yesterday, Kevin Adams said that you know Taylor Hall said he wants to go to Boston. So now you're only negotiating with one team, trying to get the best out of that. There needed to be a bidding war. They didn't get it. So I think they did pretty well in you know considering the circumstances. Uh, any uh, any insight on Dmitry Kulikov, who the Oilers picked up? Well, I, you know, I saw him with New Jersey quite a bit this year. Uh, we played the Devils, I think, with the Sabres eight times, and uh, he was paired with P.K. Subban, and those two played really well. So I think when you get with Kulikov, he's, he's pretty nasty on the ice. He's, he's got a physical side to it. Um, he, he likes to give you the lumber in front of the net, and he'll slash you and hack and whack at you a couple of times. So um, I think he's going to be a really good addition to the, the decor in, in Edmonton. Uh, you know, he was here in Buffalo for a little bit. I did not cover the team as closely as I do now when he was here. But everywhere he's gone, I think people have appreciated his effort, his work ethic, what he brings to the ice. He's not the flashiest type of defenseman. So I don't think that really shows up well when you watch the game. But he does a lot of the little things right, and he adds uh, some physicality. 
All right. And before I let you go, Marty, and thanks for being so generous with your time. I know you got to get probably uh, tend to the dog here or, or feed feeder or whatever. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Mike Smith recently turned 39. Like he's only four years younger than you. Uh, <laughs> he seems to be going better than ever. Well, what do you think of Smith's season? How is he doing at that uh, kind of an advanced age for a hockey player? I'm very impressed. I was uh, putting the, the Edmonton Oilers in a really tough spot when I looked at their goaltending going into this season with the same two of last season. And you look at Mike Smith's performances over the last few years, even with Calgary, like it was, it was not trending the right direction. But I'm impressed. Um, you know, Mike Smith is a goaltender that plays deep relies on his size and his, his reads on the ice, but his, his urgency and the way that he battles in that uh, sets him apart right now. And so I think he gives Edmonton a really good chance. Now, that division, you've got Connor Hellebuck in, in Winnipeg, you've got Carey Price in Montreal. Who knows what's going to happen in Toronto? And if Mike Smith can keep playing that way, I think it gives the Edmonton Oilers a, a chance to say, hey, maybe we can get out of the first round Maybe we can now, if they face Toronto, let's say in the second round, well, who's going to be in that for Toronto? And if Mike Smith can win you a game or two, it could give Edmonton a chance to advance to the semifinals. So I think it's wide open in the North Division. But uh, without Mike Smith, I think Edmonton would be in trouble again. Yeah, that's a fair comment. Hey, Marty, you are welcome on the show anytime. I always enjoy having you. You have great stories. You have great insight. Get some rest, man. Thank you so much. I'll come anytime you want. I, I'm always available at 9.30 Eastern on our time zone because I'm kids are in bed and everything's good, so I'm available anytime. Perfect. There we go. That is Martin Baron. Pretty good NHL career. 508 games in net. Had a career 9-10 save percentage. 230 victories. Yeah, some really good years, especially with the uh, Buffalo Sabres and a couple 29-plus uh, win seasons with the Philadelphia Flyers. Love having him on the show. good to have you tuning in tonight so in the nhl the canadians beat the maple leafs 4-2 and the senators knock off the winnipeg jets 4-2 avalanche are leading the coyotes 1-0 that is late in the first period and in overtime the blackhawks beat the blue jackets 4-3 hagel with the game winner red wings upset the hurricanes 3-1 and coming up later, Golden Knights and Kings, Ducks up against the Sharks. As uh, the Oilers will practice tomorrow and get back at it against the Vancouver Canucks on Friday. 5.30 face-off show game at 7 here on 6.30 Chet. Updating the North Division standings. Toronto 59 points, Winnipeg 53, Edmonton 52, Montreal 45. I will give you the points percentage since uh, Montreal has three games in hand on the other three teams. Toronto, 702, Winnipeg, 631, Edmonton, 619, and Montreal at 577. 
So that is your top four in terms of points percentage. It's going to be fun. I mean, I think uh, that Toronto pretty much has a lock on first, barring a disaster. So I think the other clubs are competing for spots two through four. Calgary now at a 451 points percentage, even after the win over Edmonton a couple of days ago. The Flames traded Sam Bennett and a sixth rounder in 2022 to Florida for Emil Heineman and Florida's second rounder in 2022. GM Brad Trey living on that trade. Got a good relationship with Sam. I think a lot of the young man, um, you know, certainly he felt, um, you know, we had a long discussion today. I think if if you could do things over in life, we all, uh, I know I probably got a few redos out there. I think probably everybody does. It probably could have been handled a little bit differently. I don't put that on Sam. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, Sam's, Sam worked hard here, uh, was never an issue, but I think he's going to embrace a fresh start and, uh, and we wish him all the best. And we've got a job to do. I've got a job to do to manage the team. And um, I said earlier in the week, when you're, when you're in the position we're in, and we're certainly not, uh, none of this stuff should be uh, perceived as us throwing in the towel. We had to make some decisions on players whose contracts were expiring. Um, we, we had expansion issues. Um, we felt we got real good return. Um, but we're not throwing the towel in on the year. Um, but these are also two young guys that we think a lot of and gave a lot to this organization. So it's, it sucks. It sucks when you move players out. I, I, I'd like to be more politically correct with my, my language, but it, it sucks. Um, but you have to do what's right for the organization. And in both cases, um, you hate seeing people leave, but um, I'm real, real happy with the return that we received. Flames GM Brad Trey living on the trade of Sam Bennett to Florida. And, of course, they also sent goaltender David Riddick to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Oilers get Dmitry Kulikov. You can get the full story on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. The Oilers give up a fourth rounder in 2022. It's conditional. If the Oilers win a playoff round, it becomes a third rounder. Kulikov playing 19.33 per game this season. 6-1, about 205 pounds. Plays a lot on the penalty kill, though, as I mentioned, uh, the Devils' penalty kill has not been great this season. Uh, not a lot of offense from Kulikov. Two assists in 30 games. I think he's going to team up with Adam Larson, and hopefully they can be a bit of a rugged shutdown pair for the Oilers. Okay, thanks to everybody who texted and called tonight. Always fun. Good discussion on the future of the team you also heard from bob stoffer and marty baron dave campbell is the producer of inside sports thanks to brendan escott for helping out today as well and angie quinnell is your studio producer back tomorrow at six stoffer as oilers now from noon to two my name's reed have a great night 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 6 30 chad